Right. Mm-hmm. Would I leave you hanging? No, of course not. I would never leave you hanging. So no. do me a favor mm-hmm. and, and just shut up and chill, smoke a joint, relax. Hey, I, I've got some vape here. I could do Some vape? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Got some vape. Listen to hey, I can't do any of that stuff. They they can test us anytime at work. My daughter swears by her vape. I said, mm-hmm. I like she's got that like different flavors like cherry yep. and grape. I'm with the grape right now. Yep. But that's like nauseating to me. It's like <laughs> you know, grape flavored smoke. It's like go just get smoke a joint, but yeah. Uh, it smells better. After the- smoke a cigarette. I'm still upset with my desk being moved, so I probably should. <laughs> I'm still after that, yes. Crazy. Yep. Well, listen, um, you want to do this? Absolutely, let's do it. We got a great guest tonight going to join us, I guess, in about 10 minutes mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, and I got a, and I got somebody that I want to uh, get mad at a little bit. I got to... Mm-hmm. Tell me now. Really? No, no, don't tell me later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on, Emil. It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago and 7 p.m. in New York City. Hello, everybody. I'm Mad Dog DeCipio. It's a Tuesday night. It's What's the Buzz? And you know what that means, Amelia. What's the buzz time? It's What's the Buzz time. Hot damn, you said it. It's (laughs) it's What's the Buzz time. And our guest is joining us live in the studio from his home in Palm Springs, California, Jeffrey Mark. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm doing well, considering we're having a monsoon here. Oh, oh no. my God. I heard you guys are getting flooded the hell out. Oh, no. uh, more more towards the coast. Yeah. Uh, you know, the desert is in somewhat, but we're, we're getting our fair share here. Yeah, man. Pray for Jeffrey. He's going to need a paddle boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's been rough. So I'm all you yours what, for the next. I'm all yours for the next two hours. Beautiful. I'm going to use you about an hour and 45 of it, at least. Um, let me tell everybody a little bit about Jeffrey Mark. Jeffrey Mark is known as much for his colorful wardrobe and hat collection as he is for his song stylings and book authorship. He has performed at such notable clubs as Oscars in Palm Springs and aboard Carnival Cruise Lines worldwide. His works include best-selling books on iconic TV comedian Lucille Ball, Broadway showstopper Ethel Merman and his unprecedented look into the life and career of legendary jazz stylist Ella Fitzgerald. His radio show, Jeff Remark Plays Ella, is heard nationally. Check your local listings and stations for times. Jeff Remark is the proud recipient of an Emmy Award for writing and has been Grammy Award nominated. He's written comedy for stand-up comedians, 
writes and produces documentaries and reality shows for cable TV. And on top of all that, were that not enough, Jeffrey Mark is one of our favorite people and a good buddy of mine. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. How the fuck are you? Wow. How the fuck can I be after that introduction? Good heavens. You are the, the man of the hour. First of all, mm-hmm. sporting a new hat. That's mm-hmm. a new one on this show. I like. Yes. I love well, that. I have, I have like. about 130 of them. So I know you chances <laughs> are each time it will be something new. Uh-huh. I know Jeffrey's <laughs> got a hell, every picture I see. Uh-huh. Jeffrey Mark, I'm telling Amelia, uh-huh. Jeffrey's got a different hat in, in almost every pose, too. Oh, yes. He's got a hat for every occasion. Uh-huh. And matching matching sequin vests and sequin dusters and sequin scarves and jewelry and bows. Yeah. I love the bow. Well, bowling. Jeffrey, you know, it's funny because the one thing that you're you're known for your flamboyant flair. For the, for your for what imagine that. <laughs> exactly, right? Mm-hmm. But every time and I love you, Jeffrey, but every time you come here, there's a trail of bodies in your wake. We lost some more people. Every time you come here, we're always we're saying condolences to more people. You can't uh, pin that Lisa. on me. No, I'm not. <laughs> Lisa Loring, Raquel Welch, Richard Belzer, mm-hmm. gone. And well, Robert Blake most recently. Oh, yes, that was so sad. Well, yeah, my I favorite went, guy, I went Beretta. To- I went to school with Lisa Loring. Yeah. Uh, we went through the third grade together. And in fact, Lisa gave me my first, you know, lips kiss. Oh. Okay. And she was she was doing um, the Pruitts of Southampton at that point. She'd okay. finished the Adams family. She was doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I liked her a lot. Wasn't the smartest girl in school. So yeah. I often did her homework for her so she wouldn't, you know, get yelled at. Mm-hmm. And she would wear these plastic and paper dresses. You know, in 1966, little girls didn't dress like that in yeah. Southern California for school um, and call people, oh, darling. And I'm like, ooh, e- yeah. even at eight years old, I knew that's this is way too young for her to be this <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, you know, a lifetime goes by and I was uh, writing and producing a documentary on the Adams family mm-hmm. and I got a hold of Lisa. And she came into the studio with me and I interviewed her on camera. Didn't remember me at all, yeah. but uh, gave me a wonderful, I wish I could have used more of what she said. Yeah. So much of what she said about her life and uh, being married to uh, someone in the adult film industry, yeah. and her, her own appearances in adult films. Mm-hmm. It made me kind of sad. Yeah. She wasn't happy about it. I don't judge adult film performance. Yeah. I have those who are friends of mine. Sure. Me she too. Was, she mm-hmm. wasn't happy about it. Well, Jeffrey, you know, mm-hmm. uh, can I interject something? I read a little bit of from, <laughs> from from what you and I have talked because you we we've talked about her on the show previously. Yes. And so when she passed, immediately I struck up that conversation you and I had. Yes. Uh, and I read into this a very troubled, very sad woman uh, who it seemed her life was a journey to find herself and it, and it feels like she never did find herself. Um, she thought maybe she found, uh, you know, Mr. Right that turned out to be Mr. Uh Wrong. Uh 
mm-hmm. you know, a guy in the adult film industry. Uh, and she, of course, you can't be with somebody in adult films and not get sucked into it. Mm-hmm. And you're, and it's just the way it is. Uh, Boy, I know, do you trust me to say that sentence? Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I've known people in, in adult films, people like, you know, Herschel uh, Savage and oh, uh, sure. and and Ron Jeremy people. Oh, I know like Ron that. very well. Yeah, and and you know, and I know people who do adult films and did, you know, back in the day. But you're talking about people a a who got into the business as adults. Yeah. Who it was of their own volition. It was their desire. It was their idea to be a yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. Um. Through the, I guess the first one I knew personally was Jack Wrangler because okay, he was sure. married to Margaret Whiting and yeah. I knew Margaret. So sure. if I hung out with Maggie, you hung out with Maggie and Jack. Sure. A delightful, intelligent, very talented man who happened to be good looking and blessed between the legs. Yeah. He loved making adult films and was even lying to Maggie about it. Uh, he agreed when they got married, no more gay adult films. Yeah. yeah, I left the gay part out. He was bisexual. Yeah, I know. I know who he, he is. Was, yeah, he, he was. I'm telling. I'm telling our friends out there who are watching us. He, he was gay. He really was gay. He was and, gay. Um, he was gay. Don't tell him, but he was gay. <laughs> you know, he enjoyed doing it so much that even after they got married, he continued yeah. doing it and lying to her about it. Mm-hmm. But but what was different about Lisa was. And I'll try to use a different term. Mm-hmm. She was pushed into it. She was lured into it. Yeah. There, there was a heavy, you need to get into this, as opposed to her being attracted to it. Yeah. And I think her self-esteem dropped. I, I think she felt badly about herself. Yeah. And years and years. And I don't know that she ever got past that. I think Lisa yeah. got past the child star thing. Uh, Paul Peterson helped her with that, my dear friend mm-hmm. Paul, who, by the way, if you remember the Donna Reed, I'm going to, I'm talking to our friends out there. If you remember the Donna Reed show, Paul was her uh, son, Jeff. Paul's mm-hmm. having some health issues. Let's all pray for Paul, please. Yeah, absolutely. Get absolutely. absolutely. But Paul yeah. helped her with the child star stuff. Yeah. It's what came afterwards, I think, that really mm-hmm. made well, Jeffrey. In fairness, and you're absolutely right. Paul Peterson not only helped her, but was instrumental in helping a lot of former child stars, uh, quote unquote, grow up. We uh, could do two hours, sir, on what his organization, uh, of which I am a board member, yeah. a minor consideration, has done for current child stars and child athletes. Yeah, and all the folks who came before. I mean, going back to Shirley Temple and Rose Marie as babies. Oh, sure. Um, we, we helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were people. I was his wingman for people with drug and alcohol issues because uh, April 1st, um, I will be, Jeff Willing, 34 years clean and sober. So God I was. Oh, wow. I was. Thank you, sir. And ma'am. Mm-hmm. I was someone he could take to people who had that issue. Mm-hmm. And speak to them as someone in the business who was able to 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 find the right kind of help mm-hmm. and get better. We had our victories. Uh, I tried to help Dana Plato. I tried to help Corey Haim. Mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't get through, or I was the wrong guy. 
we'll never know. And then there were the people who I did yeah. help. And uh, I'm thrilled to pieces. I could do some good for somebody else. Yeah. Paul has dedicated his life to this. He's still doing it. Uh, he's doing it sitting down now. Sure. Uh, he, he can't really travel much anymore. He's yeah. got lung issues. But yeah. he's still at it, helping people. And uh, yay. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud board member. And the, the biggest consideration uh -huh. is that if you are in that in that predicament and uh, and are unfortunate enough to be beset with issues like that, do yourself a favor and ask for help, please. Yes. There are people like Paul Peterson and Jeffrey Mark and countless others that are uh -huh. there for you. But ask for help. Yes. I think part of the problem. Jeffrey, with uh, with Lisa Loring, and I was reading quite a bit about her because I knew your connection to her, is that uh, she chose the, she made bad choices because it was always the number one factor with her was financial. She needed the money. Well, a lot of people in show business need the money. Yeah. Um, another organization of which I'm a member, Yarmy's Army, uh, which is a you can do two hours on, on that organization as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, comedians, comedy writers, comedy directors, whose the original purpose of the group was to raise money for people who had careers in show business, not yeah. for unknowns, not for wannabes, but for people who were known. But not everybody in show business becomes a millionaire. Not everybody in show business has income forever right. to help them out. Because yeah. people think everybody in the business is hugely wealthy, and right. we're not. You know, I take for um, example, Jeffrey. You know, Richard Grieco many years ago. He was a huge, huge. For those of you who don't remember, mm -hmm. sex symbol yeah. and television actor, and he did a few movies. And his time came and went. That happens to some. That happens actually to most people in the business. Mm -hmm. You get yeah. five good years to make money. Yep. And then most people end up uh, doing autograph shows and memorabilia yeah. shows. Mm -hmm. And then they do something else to make money to live on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there are those of us, for whatever reason, whose careers just keep going. But mm -hmm. I, yeah. when I'm together with my peers who are more or less up or, up or down 10 years of my age, yeah. the first thing everybody asks, are you working? Yeah, exactly. And, and, right? and those of us who are working, it's like, you know, let, let's, let's, just, yeah. let's just kiss the feet of Kismet mm -hmm. that exactly. we still have the opportunity, that I have the opportunity to be on your show yes. or that I have a show of my own or yes. I have two new books coming out and a new album and I'll be touring in the fall and all that jazz. Yay for me. And there's going to come a time when it won't be so busy for me. Exactly. And I've, I've had right. those times in the past. We make a lot of money when we work. Sure. But for those of you out there who don't understand this, mm -hmm. for actors now, I don't mm -hmm. put myself in this category. I'm an actor, but I've made most of my money doing other things in show business. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, there's 15% to your manager off the top. There's 10% to your agent for every job you book. Yep. Another 10% probably goes to a show business attorney, look over your contracts and protect you. Uh -huh. Then, you know what? This stuff isn't free. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jewelry, yeah. hats, makeup, 
uh, arrangements. Especially your, Jeffrey Marshall. Yes, he's got sequins and shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hotels, got, everything. I, I, I'm not going to tell you where I live because I don't want to get robbed. I've got thousands, <laughs> thousands of dollars worth mm -hmm. of jewelry and mm -hmm. hats and scarves. Oh, sure. Costuming. Costuming mm -hmm. so that when I go out there to be Jeffrey Mark, I'm Jeffrey Mark. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, let's oh, talk about that. Yeah, sure, I, I am. That's a, that's a great segue. Well, so let's talk about Jeffrey. Mark. Who is Jeffrey Mark Fiddleman? Ew. That's <laughs> <laughs> the Jeffrey Mark part. Is <laughs> First of all, you brought up a joke in my own house. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when my father's father came over here, he he comes my my father's father comes from uh, Belarus, okay, mm -hmm. from a town called Pinsk, which is a stone throw from Minsk. Ah, uh, both, both of my grandfathers come from that town. In fact, they both come from the same street in that town. Bless when you. he came over here uh, around 1917 to avoid serving in the Russian army during World War One, mm -hmm. the name Fidelman. Now, we don't know what it was in Russia because generally speaking, the folks at Ellis Island condensed it down. Yeah. So I grew up fiddleman, fiddleman, yeah. fiddleman, fiddleman, till I was in first grade and I came home one day and my father made a pronouncement. We have been pronouncing the name wrongly. The right name to pronounce the name is Fidelman. Fidelman. Oh, now. Gotcha. His brother, his father and stepmother, his brothers, his aunts and uncles, his cousins, oh. all still called it Fiddleman. Fiddleman. Only the three of us. Fiddleman. Huh. Really? What's That's interesting. When I got famous enough, uh, and we can do a whole show about this sometime, my father's family have not been nice to me at all. They're terribly right. homophobic. They don't, you know, if you don't have a house on Long Island with a picket yeah. fence and two cars and investments, you're sure. nothing. You're nothing. And that's how they treated me as. Sure. Right. And if you're not a doctor or a lawyer. Right. Or an account, accountant is okay. Accountant, but, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, accountant. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I was nobody. Uh, I was not welcome in their homes. I'm not guessing. I was told. I was not welcome in their homes. Wow. So here wow. I am being famous and winning awards. And why should they get any pleasure or the Yiddish word nachas mm -hmm. that their last name is out there? Their last name didn't do a damn thing for me. Not a thing. So no. Mark is my middle name. And another, a very quick story. My parents' best friends also had a son named Jeff. We were, were two years apart. He's older. So he was big Jeff. I was little Jeff. Mm -hmm. Somewhere around five, this happened. I got taller than he. And okay. they didn't want to insult him. So he became Jeffrey Keith. I became Jeffrey Mark. Mark. Quite um, frankly, my whole life, when I talk to myself, oh, Jeffrey Mark, why did you do that? So Jeffrey Mark is not like a made-up name or something I'm uncomfortable with. Yeah. Who am I? I am Jeffrey Mark. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a Fidelman. I don't fit in with them. Yeah. I don't have, I mean, other than liking spicy foods, I have nothing in common with those people. You carved out your own identity. Yeah. Fabulous. Which we all should. So let me ask you a question. The one thing that we've right. never talked about, and you've, you've, this is your third appearance with me. 
Yes, sir. One thing we've never talked and I, you have been nominated for and won an Emmy Award, and you've also been nominated for a Grammy Award. What was the Grammy for? We've never talked about yeah. this. Okay, well, was this a, a singing album or a, a word a word only album? I, I will tell you. Sure. Um, I had two periods of my life of fame. The original one was as a teenager and in my early 20s. When I was making movies and being in off-Broadway shows and doing summer stock and starring in nightclubs, and Mm -hmm. then I became known for my advocacy during the days when AIDS first came along. And I was Mm -hmm. on TV a lot advocating, at least in New York City I was anyway. Right. Uh, Then... I had my drugs and alcohol issue and I fell out of fame. When I got famous again was because my first book about Ella Fitzgerald came out and all of a sudden, boom, I, 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 I like, wow, I'm getting famous like every day, bigger and bigger. Right. So I began writing album notes for Ella's CD releases. One day I got a phone call from a man named Oren Keep News. Ella's first 20 years as a vocalist on records was for Decca records. Ella's people sued Decca because they weren't paying her the royalties from the LPs. Oh, so there were no Decca CDs out. Yeah. They settled the lawsuit or called me and he told me who he was. And I recognized mm-hmm. his name. Very, very famous producer. Sure. And uh, he said, we're putting together a four CD big boxed set mm-hmm. of Ella's work on Decca from 1938 to 1955. He said, I asked 10 people in the business who I should get to work on this with me. And all 10 of them gave me your name and phone number. Wow. So I chose quite an endorsement. I chose the songs. I sequenced the songs. Mm -hmm. And then they wanted me to write like a 100 page booklet. Cause this was, this is a great, big boxed set it was uh-huh. a big clunky thing and the yeah. the um booklet inside was going to be this big well 100 mm-hmm. pages this big wow they wanted me to write another book oh wow and i said she whiz could there be two of us could i hire someone i like mm-hmm. one of them also write about the life one will write about the music mm-hmm. so that i'm not just rewriting my book again yeah and i hired at that time, an almost unknown James Gavin, who has now written like, oh books sure. all over the place. Jimmy and I are very close friends. When you got that- James Gavin to, to, to collaborate? Wow. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, what that set you back? <laughs> it set them, no, it set them back. And uh, Jimmy and I got nominated for a Grammy for writing album notes. No shit. Oh, wow. No shit. And Jimmy and I are still very close friends and uh, see each other as often. He lives in New York and Manhattan in my old neighborhood. And I live out here in the desert, but he comes out here two or three times a year. And uh, when I go back East, I see him. Jeffrey, how far are you from uh, Sinatra's old place? Oh, about 20 minute drive. Are you really? Yeah. Sinatra lived Frank Sinatra loved Palm Springs. He lived lived Mm -hmm. there till they died. He lived in Rancho Mirage. Yeah, And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the geography, if you live in a suburb where the suburb has a name, 
but mm -hmm. each little individual neighborhood also has a name. Uh -huh. That's kind of what the Coachella Valley is like. Uh -huh. Desert Hot Springs, Palm Springs, Cathedral City, Rancho Mirage, uh -huh. leading out to the county seat of Indio. It's really just one big place. But when we talk to people who don't know the geography, we just call everything Palm Springs. Yeah, uh -huh. so he loved it out here. A lot of people have loved it out here. Harper Marx loved it out here. Uh -huh. uh, Mary Martin had a home out here. Uh, oh yeah, lots, lots of wonderful people. Um, Lucy Arnaz lives out here now. Kay Ballard, until she died, lived out here. Yeah, Dean Crosby had a place out here. Tab Hunter had a place out here. Elvis did. Liberace did. Yeah. Uh, you realize you're, you're mentioning names that that were legendary in show business, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, sadly, the generations are passing by and passing on. And those names, many of them are dying with them. Yes. What can our generation do? What can we do? We're in our 60s. What can we do? Hush. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't tell me telling me. Sorry. Next, you're going to tell them my penis size. Come on now. <laughs> so what do we do to, uh, you know, to, 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 to save the legacy? How do we save well, the music? People should be writing books. Mm -hmm. There are wonderful people all over the country who are doing tribute shows to some of these people. Mm -hmm. I yeah. do a tribute show to Ella. I mean, I don't come out as Ella Fitzgerald, but I sing her music. And mm -hmm. tell her stories. Uh, back here, someplace mm -hmm. you can see a picture of me. That that poster is from me doing Jeffrey Marks yeah. and Gail Fitzgerald. I mentioned Songbook. you did a show at the, one of the the hot spots in Palm Oscars. Springs called Oscars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was Talk that was that about um, the uh, and I know that show was filmed uh, for a, yeah. a, a video. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the the recording of that show did not. Did, I was okay, mm -hmm. but the the technically the sound didn't work. Uh -huh. So oh. unfortunately, after paying a lot of money <laughs> with big hopes I'd have merchandise to sell, yeah. it's just gonna sit in a drawer and be a memory because it's unsellable. Oh wow. That's show business, kids. You can't yeah, I know you can't count on anything. True. And you don't and you don't count a success until the check has cleared. Absolutely. Make sure the check clears the bank. Right. <laughs> well, I, 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 I take those fuckers right to the bank and cash them. Uh, absolutely. Right. Amelia, you mm -hmm. are up. Show Jeff. First of all, Jeffrey, in mm -hmm. paying tribute to you, look what Amelia did. Her background. I noticed yeah. immediately. I know. And that one. Take that that gift out for Jeffrey. Show him what you got. Oh yes, I got this at a garage. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Isn't that beautiful. Nice? That is from that is around the time of the first season of mm -hmm. I Love Lucy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, around the time she had fi finished making um mm -hmm. fancy pants and was getting ready to put her life into her show. Yeah, it's a 1942. Yeah. No, that's not true. Jeffrey, what came first, yeah, Fancy Pants or the Long Trailer? Yeah. I beg your pardon? Fancy Which... Pants came way first. Yeah. Long, okay. Long Trailer. 1940 coming back. But... <laughs> yeah. Whoever put the date on that, trust me, the date really? is wrong. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That, that's from around 1950. Really? Okay. Well, it's a gorgeous. It's one of my favorite photos of her. Yeah. Lucille Ball had made a film with Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in 48 that was very well mm -hmm. received. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to do what reteam re them. Paramount wanted a reteaming mm -hmm. and they did fancy pants. Um, fancy pants was the biggest comedy Paramount had had up to that moment in time. Mm -hmm. So Lucille Ball's career in films was huge. Yes. You know, everybody says her career was over. No, 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 oh, not God. at mm -hmm. all. She had a top 10 radio show, My Favorite Husband. Mm -hmm. She had this wonderful Bob Hope, big, big hit. Mm -hmm. And she was all over radio doing other things besides her own show. Uh, long, long trailer came about because of the success of I Love Lucy. Mm -hmm. Um MGM felt that both Lucille and Desi had been MGM players at one time, mm -hmm. that a, that a, a color version of I love Lucy mm -hmm. would bring people. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On Monday nights, people weren't going to the movies. So they could stay home and watch Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Mm -hmm. Well, let's put them into the theater in color. And, and the long, long trailer was, I mean, he's Nikki and Tacy instead of Lucy and Ricky. It's, it's right, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, they're sure. the same basic characters. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, Vincent Modelli directed it. It's a wonderful, funny film. But that, that was made uh, in 1953. They went right from, yeah. she yeah. had the baby, they worked mm -hmm. continuously, and then made the film, and then they took a break. Yeah. So it was, it was the end of a very long year for both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love the movie. His, uh, his, mine, and ours, or his, hers, and yours, mine, and ours. Yeah, I was love that movie. A book that had come out mm -hmm. that Miss Ball had optioned. Mm -hmm. uh, let's let's see what we could do with this. Yeah. And um, originally, the original script was written with Lucille Ball and Bob Hope in mind. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you watch Henry Fonda and listen to some of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. You can hear it coming out of Bob Hope's mouth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what Bob wanted to do was a movie about a doctor and a nurse in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. In 1968, that was a very stupid thing to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. boy, that was. <laughs> I mean, the film was made in 67, so mm -hmm. uh, a stupid thing to do. In mm -hmm. fact, I, I, I believe I was talent scouted to be in that film. Because mm -hmm. Desi Lu came to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do people allow this? In the playground during recess at school, mm -hmm. my, my principal brought a man from Desi Lu to talk to me. They wanted to sign me to a contract. Oh, I have to believe it was for that film. Uh -huh. Right. But I'll never know because my parents wouldn't let me do it. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah, no. well, we'll, we could do two hours about my parents too. We got the next six appearances <laughs> oh, yeah. all lined up. Right. Well, we're going to get into the good, bad, and the ugly tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I'm going to sing if we can arrange that technically. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We're we got I, I got the music all queued up. We're ready to yeah, roll. We got it ready. Um, well, here's been the problem with me on shows like this, including my own shows when I've hosted shows. Why don't you like us, Jeffrey? Who knows? <laughs> is I play the music here and sing to it. Yeah. And even if I blast the music. The folks at home and the folks in the studio, they hear my voice, but they can't hear the music. Oh, they're so going to hear did, your music tonight, brother. So what we did, folks, is we I sent them tracks. On yeah. their end, they have them. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, oh, yeah. I'll be able to hear them, and you'll be able to hear <laughs> oh, my you're voice. Going to hear them, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mixed well together. Mm -hmm. Amelia so will, will Amelia will tell you she was my guinea pig. I said, yes. Amelia, 
How we sound? Oh yeah, we sounded great. great. We did the sound check. Well, but before we even get into that, we got a lot of time before we're, we're going to be here for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, they call you. Let me get this right. I want to make sure I get this right. I want to mm-hmm. give you whatever credit you got coming to you. Here we go. It's and this is the direct quote. Jeffrey mm-hmm. Mark has been called a virtual walking encyclopedia on show business history. Raised in, um, mm-hmm. uh, born in Brooklyn and raised all over the country. Jeffrey has spent his entire life in one form of show business or another. I want to mm-hmm. ask you a little bit about this. Sure. Uh, you are the go-to guy, I am told, mm-hmm. on movies. You know everything about movies, they tell me. I know everything about show business history up through about 1975. Okay, from, well, then you're in good okay. shape then. From 1875, so we're talking about touring shows, medicine shows, mm-hmm. the beginnings sure. of vaudeville, the beginnings of burlesque, the beginnings of those awful racist minstrel shows mm-hmm. through uh, All in the Family and Mary Tyler Moore on television, through mm-hmm. Jane Fonda's first big hits. And then, you know, it, it isn't that I don't know anything since 75, but I am not necessarily au courant on what's happening mm-hmm. We do a thing here, Jeffrey, called Right Face, Wrong Place. Let me tell you a little bit about Right Face, Wrong Place. Yes, sir. It's uh, actors who are notoriously miscast. Okay? Yes, sir. So, right film, wrong actor, right actor, wrong film. Give me your, your top five, top five either right actors in the wrong films or the the right films with the wrong actors. Um, can I include Broadway, or is this just films? Uh, you could do Broadway. Yeah, too. Broadway, sure, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Right film, wrong actor. I love her to pieces, and uh, her sister is a dear friend of mine. Barbara Streisand in Hello Dolly was wrong person in a good film. Uh-huh. Okay. Except, except. As one critic said of the film, someone should have told them it's a comedy. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Gene Kelly directed it. Uh-huh. Roger Edens produced it. And he was a yeah. big macher at MGM. Uh-huh. So the sure. film has the look and the splendor of uh-huh. an MGM musical. Absolutely. But, sure. the but you know, Michael Stewart, may he rest in peace. I, I knew Michael. Wrote right. the, the book of Hello Dolly, the, the Broadway mm. show, sure, taking yeah. it from Thornton Wilder's The Matchmaker, mm-hmm. which is taken from his earlier play, The Merchant of Yonkers, yeah. where Horace was the main character and it was a flop. He mm. rewrote it where Dolly was the main character. It was mm-hmm. a big hit. Ruth Gordon played it on Broadway, Shirley mm-hmm. Booth played it in the movie. And Carol then, Channing. Oh. So we're going to get to that in one second. Oh, got yeah. you. Okay. You know, Ethel Orman was the original person uh-huh. that they wrote the musical for. She uh-huh. turned it down for personal reasons. And they brought my dear friend Carol Channing in. And Carol was brilliant in it. You know, Hello Dolly is a satire uh-huh. on sure. the mores and the sexual tensions of turn of the century New York City. Absolutely, of course. But they had to leave out an awful lot of the comedy. 
to fit in all the songs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Carol was an enormous success with it. And then having yeah. Louis Armstrong have a number one hit with the title song. Oh my God. The oh, whole yeah. world knew oh, about please. it. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Now, David Merrick decided that rather than having Carol stay with the show till it petered out, uh-huh. he would take her on the road. Already, my, yeah. again, my dear friend, Carol Cook, who just passed away at 90. Yeah. Oh, yes. 99 years old. 99 was sent to Australia. She was the second Dolly. Yeah. Then Mary Martin took the show first to Tokyo, then toured it for the troops in Vietnam, and then did it in London. Yeah. So they decided to take Carol and let her tour all over the United States and Canada. Yeah. They brought in Ginger Rogers. Uh, Ginger Rogers, the dancer. Yeah. (laughs) You you said with one inflection everything I could have possibly said. Yes. I was like, okay. (laughs) She couldn't sing, she couldn't sing the songs really. And Ginger was a fine actress. She wasn't bad in the part, but she wasn't great. The the uh, box office started to fall. They brought in Betty Grable. Oh, gee. Wow. No. So they replaced no. Betty Grable with Martha Ray. Now, Martha oh did God. very well. Maggie was wonderful in the show. Oh, Martha Ray was brilliant. Genius. Mm-hmm. When the box office started to fall again, David Merrick got the bright idea of having an all-black cast come in and have what he called his first black dolly with Pearl Bailey. Except Carol Channing was half black. And she, she was already the first black dolly, but they didn't talk about that back then. Yeah. They brought in a whole new cast for Pearl and it did great guns. Mm-hmm. When Pearl got tired, they brought in Phyllis Diller. Mm-hmm. Phyllis. <laughs> I adored Phyllis. She was a friend yeah. of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and she could sing mm-hmm. and she could act. Phyllis was great at the acting part of Dolly, but yes. not at the selling of songs. No, not her. at all. <laughs> no, she wasn't a vocalist at all. No. Not at all. <laughs> she could carry a tune, but she wasn't, it wasn't that she didn't like her voice. She didn't know how to sell. A song has to be sold to the audience. Sure, mm-hmm. you have to. Especially yeah. You got to be able to, to belt mm-hmm. it out. Oh, yeah. yeah. So... They they went and tapped Ethel Merman and said, look, we know you didn't want to do this in the beginning, mm-hmm. but if you come into the show for three months, Hello, Dolly will become the longest running musical in Broadway history at that moment. Yes. The movie of Hello, Dolly had already come out. Mm-hmm. And what we haven't said so far is that when Merman turned the show down, it took two songs out of the score. Because Jerry Herman said nobody else but Ethel Merman can sing these things. Yeah. So uh-huh. she said, you know what? Uh-huh. She said, my parents are ill. I want to stay near New York. I'll uh-huh. do it. But yeah. I want all new costumes. Uh-huh. And I want to add those two songs back into the show. So the Ethel Merman version of Hello, Dolly was 30 minutes longer. 15 yeah. minutes for the two songs. And 15 minutes for the extra standing ovations because she was Ethel Merman. Wow, amazing. So they had all these people to choose from 
to make the film. And sure. Mormon was the first contender. They thought, well, you know, a score written for her and she has made movies. And mm -hmm. when she's played comedy in movies, she's been a big success. Like it's a mad, 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 mad world and the sure. art of love. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but Barbara Streisand was a bigger star. Oh, sure. Miss Streisand sang the score brilliantly. I mean, mm -hmm. no one could have sung it better. But Dolly Levi was supposed to be an Irish dame in her 50s. Yeah. Who had been married to a lovely Jewish man who had given her a wonderful life but left her poor when he died. Yeah. And she was doing what she was doing to eat and keep pay rent. Absolutely. Of course. But she wasn't having any more luxuries. Yeah. And she got tired of it. And she was going to marry Horace Vandegelder and, mm -hmm. and live a better life. Uh, Barbara was way, 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 way too young for that. And unfortunately, yeah. and sometimes this happens, there was no on-screen chemistry between her and Walter Matthau. None whatsoever. I absolutely concur. So I absolutely concur. Perhaps if they'd had a different leading man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. James Kahn playing the part, maybe. And, you well, know. The other thing, too, Jeffrey, is Walter, even at the time, was considerably older than Barbara. He mm -hmm. was the right age to play Horace. But even compared to Barbara, who was I'm very young at the time. She was in her 20s. Yeah, I'm mean, 22 maybe. Mm -hmm. No, she's a little older by that. More was like, she older like, than that? We're like 26. But okay. still, but still, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, Walter was probably 35, 37, somewhere around there. Oh, no, Walter was almost 50 by that point. Was he that? Yeah, okay. You're making my point for me then. Yeah, he was no, much he, older. He became famous late in life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what can you do? You make a movie, you want it mm. to be the best. Sure. But Miss Streisand, again, she's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mm -hmm. talent performer, uh, gives her money to charity. I'm not denigrating Miss Streisand at all. Just this one part wasn't, yeah. it could have been better. What other I'm sure, notable I'm sure, performer just did the wrong project and maybe for they did it for money or they did it for they weren't doing anything that day <laughs> my friends out my, my friends out there okay i'm not talking to our hosts i'm talking to you guys out there now you've been staring at the wall behind me i can hear you shouting at me mm -hmm. that if i didn't mention this i'd be a jerk so i have to mention lucille ball in maine Another Jerry Herman, mm -hmm. big film mm -hmm. project. Yeah. And the reason Miss Ball was miscast, the only reason, had the movie been made 10 years earlier, she would have been wonderful in it. Mm -hmm. In the 1960s, when Miss Ball could still sing mm -hmm. and still really dance and didn't need all the filtering to try to look younger. Mm -hmm. Her leg had not just recently been broken. Mm. She was in her 60s. The yeah. part calls for someone who is about 40 or 35. Yeah. Miss um, Ball, same script, same songs. Could have done better. And I, I also blame Gene Sachs. I don't, even though he did it on Broadway, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think he was bringing in people who are concerned with the choreography 
how things look. Lucille Ball and Ethel Merman mm-hmm. needed directors to direct the comedy. Mm. And if they didn't have it, they weren't as good. If, for instance, I'll bring up a name you folks probably don't remember. Jack Donahue. Jack Donahue. Oh, I do. Jack Donahue was a song and dance man in vaudeville. He was on Broadway. He directed musicals at MGM and RKO. And he directed about 50 or 60 episodes of Miss Ball's various sitcoms. Mm -hmm. If he had been the director of MAME, I think it would have worked. But the um, steroids they had to give her for her leg when it really broke in like several places. Yeah. Deepened her voice even more than it had been. And had her voice been the the Lucy show version of Mm -hmm. her voice, she could have gotten through it beautifully. Uh, If you watch the film now, Mm -hmm. the first number, it's today, is just unwatchable. But if you keep with her, with every song she sings, her voice gets better and better and better. Mm -hmm. There's even some vibrato in her voice. Because they recorded the whole thing all at once in one day in in order. Mm -hmm. And as she sang more and more, she sang better and better. Absolutely. You know, it's just one of those. uh, I'm I'm avoiding people who I think have no talent. I don't want to denigrate someone who can't defend themselves. Why the hell not? (laughs) I'm a nice guy. I know you are, but you got a little mean streak in you. We all do. Yeah. I think Betty Hutton was in complete miscast for Annie Get Your Gun. I agree. Absolutely. You know, they didn't want Ethel Merman because she was like 43 years old by the time the movie was made. Mm -hmm. All right. And they got Judy Garland and she couldn't do it because she was having a drug issue. Mm -hmm. They had June Allison right there. June Allison would have made a great Annie Oakley. They could have borrowed. They could have. Borrowed Doris Day from Warner Brothers. She yeah. would have made a great Annie Oakley. Oh, oh yeah. Incredible. You know? So they had people right there. that uh, They brought in Betty Hutton from Paramount. Bad move. Bad yeah. move. Wrong person. Just completely the wrong person for the part. Yeah. Great actress, just not for that role. No. Who no, no. Was- I'm, I'm going to take it back, sir. She was not a great actress. She was a good comedian mm-hmm. and very good at doing frenetic music. Yeah. Yeah. Almost bordering on slapstick, yeah. Jeffrey would right. say. Yeah. But the character of Annie Oakley has to settle down yeah. and sing, I got lost in his arms. They say that falling mm-hmm. in love is wonderful. Yeah. And, and Annie they, Oakley was very self-assured as well. Yes. Yes. Who else fits that category of right person, wrong film, or right film, wrong person? Let me let me cogitate about that for a moment. Um, I will pull a television show and tell you that I think Dick Sargent was the wrong person to replace Dick York on Bewitched. Absolutely. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Too much. Absolutely. Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. Because uh, when we... Now we know because you know years later, Dick York, uh, who played the original Darren Stevens on Bewitched, uh, was ill. He became mm-hmm. ill, and he did uh, one film 
after Bewitched, uh, for the um, um, in fact, that wasn't a film. It was a an episode mm-hmm. of the Twilight Zone, where he was no, he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, of all oh, the revival of the Twilight Zone in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Let, let's 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 go backwards. And Chris York, you okay. know I love you. Mm-hmm. We're friends. I'm gonna say something that may hurt you. I'm sorry. We're just we're telling the truth here. Yeah, Dick York was an amazing actor in drama, oh, yes. in comedy, um, in front of an audience, in films, on television. Mm-hmm. He brought so much to Bewitched, mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. But there was a problem from day one. Mm-hmm. Dick had hurt his back. That part is true. Oh. But he hurt his back before Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The very first day, the very first table read of Bewitched where the director and the writers and the actors and everybody who's involved with this show wants to hear how the script is going. Mm-hmm. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. There's no Dick York. So they broke for lunch. Bill Asher read his lines. Yeah. And Bill called the main gate. When Mr. York comes in, please let me know. And they said, Mr. York was here at 730. Oh, wow. And Dick goes out. Uh, uh, Bill goes out in the parking lot. Bill Asher, who was Elizabeth's husband and the producer and director of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dick was right. passed out in his car. Oh, too no. many pain, too many pain pills. Oh no! He told them the truth. Yeah. Bill and Elizabeth had a, a conversation. Liz loved Dick York's work. Bill loved Dick York's mm-hmm. work, and they said, "You know what? Let's hope this is an anomaly." Yeah. And for oh. three and a half seasons, mm-hmm. Dick really you know, a, 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 at least a third of the success of that show has to fall in his lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Starting with the fourth season and into the fifth season, he started missing shows. Mm-hmm. They began uh, right pain. Now. Is that what the issue was? Pain generally no, due, doing, due to being stoned. Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh, high. Okay. And, and Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Do I should. Okay. I, I'm being catty. I shouldn't be Chris. I mm-hmm. love you. Mm-hmm. Due to over self-medicating. I'm not yeah. saying the pain wasn't there, but he could have gotten through the scripts. They made sure that Darren never lifted anything, that Darren didn't bend down to the floor. He rarely picked up Tabitha. They, they wrote it so that they can work around his back. Dick began missing episodes. They give his lines to Larry or they'd rewrite. Oh, Darren's out of town in Chicago, ma- mother. Before he gets back, let's have a you know a crisis. Um, and then in the last season, they had to start padding his costumes and putting bronzer on him just so he wouldn't look like death. You know, he got very thin. Yeah. yeah. The final episode he did was the one where uh, Samantha finds out she's pregnant again, and in the middle of it, he had a seizure on the set. And they, they took him to his dressing room and they found pills everywhere. Sewed yeah. into his costume. Sewed, you know, just, like, like Judy Garland oh, on the pirate God. at MGM. Oh. He agreed to go into a rehab place, a hospital. Mm-hmm. But Elizabeth said, I'm sorry, Aaron Murphy is on this set. We have a child to protect. Yeah. Our own children come to this set we have children to protect yeah this has gotten out of hand we can't have this and so did she fire him at that point he was fired yeah 
they didn't know which way to go with it. Uh, they talked about Endora putting a spell on him so he'd look different to explain why all of a sudden it was a different face. Yeah. What they decided to do was try to find someone who was a lookalike. Yeah. Um, some of the books out there say that Dick Sargent was the second runner-up for the part. Um, not really. Dick Sargent was 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 hired for the Tammy Grimes show around the same time Bewitched mm -hmm. was being cast. Sure. So um, a lot of nonsense has been written about this. Uh, it wasn't that Dick was a bad guy. It wasn't that he was a criminal. It wasn't that he was a creep. It's that he had a drug problem. Yeah. Like many people, including me, have had to deal with, mm -hmm. and he just couldn't. And then as time went on, he also developed lung problems and um, yeah. was in a wheelchair and on oxygen for a mm -hmm. good part of a later part of his life. And he's got a wonderful son who shepherds his memory, who I like very much. Uh, but I never, ever liked Dick Sargent. He, had, he didn't have the comedy chops at all. No, not at all. Aaron. No, he always appeared to me rather stiff. He, he You know when someone's funny and or... You know when someone can pull off funny. It's hard to pull off funny. You've got to be really good at what you do. You know? Yeah. And unless and until you know what you're doing comedically, don't try to do it. And Dick, you know, Dick Sargent, again, you know, put in a bad position but he should have never been put in that position in the first place. I agree with Dick you. Dick had done other television comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't that he was yeah. an unknown, but Bewitched was slapstick. Absolutely. And sure, Dick York was wonderful at it. He wasn't really known for it, but it turned out he was wonderful at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dick, as an actor, York, I'm talking about, yeah, mm -hmm. did what the scene called for. He didn't walk in angry until something happened where it made him angry. Mm -hmm. Dick Sargent, yeah, right. everything he walks into, there's smoke mm -hmm. coming out of his ears for no reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, The way he treats Samantha, it's like, why are you married to this woman? <laughs> you know, there's nothing there that would make mm -hmm. anyone stick with this. With mm -hmm. Dick York's version, he made you know that Darren, no matter what, adored samantha mm -hmm. and the first few seasons where they had Aunt clara that 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 darren if if the relative was reasonable darren didn't mind having them around in the beginning he and uncle arthur got along because they both hated andora oh sure um, <laughs> you know <laughs> but but at, but as time went on uh, the Darren character no longer had any allies in Samantha's family. Really. Yeah. I but came across a photo, Jeffrey Mark, of you in front of the bewitched house with the one Mr. Dr. Bombay. Oh, tell me a wow. little bit about that photo. Sure. Uh, this is a long time ago. I know. <laughs> you know, the, outs the outside, the outside of the bewitched house uh -huh. belongs on what they called the Columbia ranch mm -hmm. Columbia studios. It wasn't anywhere near Columbia studios. In fact, it was across the street from Warner brothers. Yeah. And the outsides to 
uh, Hazel and Dennis the Menace, the Madonna Reed show, and the Partridge family, uh -huh. Magini and Bewitched uh -huh. were all shot there. Mm -hmm. The park they all went to visit, the park was there. Right. And one day, uh, Casey Rogers, who played Louise Tate. Yeah. And Alice Ghostly, who played Esmeralda. Oh, God. Yeah, sure. And wonderful Dr. Bombay and I met there and took pictures outside the Stevens house together. Beautiful. Are you going to show I'd it to love that photo. Are you going to show it to folks or not? I, I love that photo. I yeah. love making that photo. <laughs> it was great. There. Amelia, do you, are you, you familiar with what he's talking about? Oh, I love the show Bewitched and everything. And I, I even referenced, I said, look at that lady. She's being the Gladys Kravitz of the neighborhood. I do. I tell people. Right? <laughs> I got to walk through the front door of the, of, of the Stevens household, mm -hmm. which thrilled me to know. And of course, behind it is nothing. It's just, a, it's, no. a, it's, a, it's an artifice. But, um, it was a very happy day for me. And I, I, I took Alice home afterwards, but they were happy to be reunited. They hadn't seen each other yeah. in years at that point. Right. Uh, the only person who couldn't make it was Aaron Murphy, my, my friend, Aaron, who is so beautiful and so lovely. And she, she's just grown into be such a wonderful woman and gorgeous. So there you go. Jeffrey, who was your favorite person to work with? Somebody that you would just like would say, I could work with this person every day. I think he's reading my questions over here. How did you find my questions? <laughs> You're asking a very prejudiced question. Absolutely. Because <laughs> without, without thinking twice or taking a breath, my ex-partner, Joel, Joel Kabik was always my favorite co-star. It was go. my happiest moment. We did the musical, Where's Charlie? And he oh, played God, Charlie. He played yeah. Charlie, and I played Spedigu, the antagonist. Yes. Uh -huh. And there is a scene between the two characters on a poof. Right. A poof is a round, tufted, uh -huh. like yeah. you used to find them in hotels. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. I don't think they have them anymore. Now, I had recently broken my arm. Uh, in fact, you could say he broke it. And was that break the first time I heard I love you? So I didn't mind at all to hear I love you. I was like, yeah, I break the other one. <laughs> but we had to rehearse this show because only yeah. I was coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you do? The yeah. script called for about, I don't know, 20 seconds of slapstick nonsense between. Sure. Mm hmm. He was afraid of hurting me. I was afraid of getting hurt. The director wanted nothing to do with this. So we said, go away, go away, go away. And we spent about a week turning that scene into about 15 minutes of Laurel and Hardy, Three Stooges, Lucy and Mr. Mooney kind of slapstick. And we choreographed <laughs> it all in slow motion with my arm in a cast up in the air so that if I fell... I didn't fall on the arm. All right. It oh. stopped the show every night. This little piece, I mean, it was this big of a script, and uh -huh. we turned it into the showcase of the show. I could do that every night for the rest of my life and be very happy. Amelia, questions for Jeffrey Mark. Oh, absolutely. What was your favorite place to visit as far as when you go on tour? That's a good question. 
she comes out but once in a while, you know. <laughs> I will I will tell you that the happiest place for me to visit mm -hmm. was Aruba. Mm. Yeah. I was working on a cruise ship, and I'll make this is a long story, I'll make very short. For no, reasons take your time, tell the story. For yeah, reasons that are not important. My my closest friend in the world, my sister from another mister, mm -hmm. Phyllis, who I met two days after I met Joel. So we just had in September our 50th anniversary. Oh, it was Joel's and mine, which I celebrated alone, holding his hand in my heart. Mm -hmm. And two days later, Phyllis and I did this. She in a room in her garden and me talking. Uh, we lost touch. Yeah. her. I fixed her up with somebody who I knew was the right guy to be her husband. And as soon as he married her, he cut me off. Ah, uh, These things happen. Yeah. And I happened uh, to be on a cruise ship and being on the internet looking. And I saw a website for our high school where we'd all gone to school together. And there's a picture of Phyllis. So I contacted the website and I said, can I please have her contact information? They mm -hmm. said, no, we don't do that. I said, all right, could you please give my contact information to her? Mm -hmm. I heard from her in about three hours. Wow. She said, the reason you couldn't find me, I literally hired people mm -hmm. because I figured when I got famous, certainly she'd seek me out. And she mm -hmm. did. Right? She said, the reason you couldn't find me because I wasn't on the mainland. I was living in Aruba with my husband where oh. he came from. Ah. She said, wow. someday I would love for you to come here. And I said, Phyllis, I'm going to be in Aruba tomorrow. Oh, my God. How coincidental. <laughs> no, no. Wow. There's no coincidence in that. Oh, that was a God shot. Absolutely not. That was a God shot. Uh-huh. And the next day, and... I'm the godfather to her children. Oh, All incredible. of the bad blood was poured away. Oh, She's my sister. Her husband's my oh. brother-in-law. And Oh, wow. Look at that. Jeffrey, what is your favorite kind of music to listen to? Jazz. Oh, you yeah. like jazz? Jazz. I've got a couple songs queued up here for you. Mm -hmm. uh, to listen to or to sing to? To sing to, to. Well, to sing to, of course. Okay, of course. Well, you don't want to hear us sing. We want to hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've got, um, oh, God, i got a couple great ones. i got mm -hmm. the Sweet Georgia Brown, Shiny Stockings, and Ordinary Fool. What do you want to do first? Let's do Sweet Georgia Brown. This is That's a uh, Marty Patriot. Give them a little uh, a heads up on the song. Yeah. Sure. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, very old song from the turn of the 20th century. It's, it's almost a ragtime song, really. It was very popular up through the 20s and 30s. And it kind of fell away. It became old-fashioned. And then there was a Broadway show called Bubbling Brown Sugar that happened. Oh, God, And the yeah. song was in it. <clears throat> and everybody discovered it again. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So this is a Marty Page arrangement. And this is going to be on my new album, Jeffrey Mark Sings Ella Fitzgerald. All right. And that's Sweet Georgia Brown. Hopefully I can hear it. <laughs> I can. <laughs> oh, yeah. No gal maid has got to shake it on Sweet Georgia Brown Oh so neat has Sweet Georgia Brown They all sigh, wanna cry for Sweet Georgia Brown I'll tell you just why You know I don't lie Not much, cause it's been as bad as she and I them dead when she lands in town 
What a shame, what a shame. I'm hum young, how she cools him down. The fellers can't get. All the fellers she ain't met. Jagahajanangan, the Jagahajanangan's sweet Georgia gal. No gal made has got a state of law. A sweet Georgia brown, you left me eat. Honey, has Georgia brown. They all sigh and want to cry. That Georgia brown, I'll tell you just why. You know I don't lie. Visit and search me She's got the guys all hanging around. How she really cools them down. Dodger, 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 Dodger. singing live is it live or is it memorex <laughs> their first oh, live, live, live. <laughs> how was your music how did it sound good this year yeah i can oh, beautiful so if it make it a little bit louder that'd be great make it a little bit louder uh we could probably do that let's see yeah i knew that let's see i think we're good um we got a couple more queued up, but before we get to them, let's talk a little bit about. Um, let's. I want to talk a little bit about the, the resurgence, really, of jazz music. We're a, a new generation of people, young people, surprisingly, mm-hmm. are discovering the old standards. What do you um, attribute that to? They're wonderful, and there is. 
this thing, and I, 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 I was part of it, mm. you know, of, of drinking and getting stoned and, and listening to jazz. The music lends itself to that. Um, and the music is so good. And every mm. generation keeps rediscovering jazz the way it keeps rediscovering the great American songbook. Michael yeah. Feinstein would like that plug. Oh, um, <laughs> hey, Michael, he's a dear friend also. Um, I love Feinstein's great. He's wonderful, wonderful, wonder, wonderful person, wonderful musician. And nobody sings Wish You Were Here better than he does. Oh. Uh, but I, I think as young people get away from what they hear I was going to say on the radio. I don't know if anyone listens to the radio really anymore, but it better. <laughs> well, yeah, for you and I, yes. But I meant yeah. musically. We we where, know they're listening. <laughs> wherever young people get their music from today, there comes a point when you're maybe 17, 18, 19, where you become aware there is other music other than what is yeah. top 20 or top 10 right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of young people are rediscovering the songs and they're recording them with their take on this. Yeah. I, you know, the, the songs I sing, except for the one we're going to hear next, were all written before I was born, long before I was born. Some well, of them before my parents were born. That begs the question then, yeah. how were you introduced to that music? And, and did you know immediately, was there a kindred spirit uh, I can say a lot of negative things about my folks, but I'll say a positive. We had an RCA Victrola in the house. Uh, we are Jewish. We are Eastern European Jewish. Mm -hmm. So klezmer music was played constantly. Yiddish songs, up-tempo, oh, my broken heart ballads. And klezmer music is a part of jazz. Some of yeah. jazz comes from that. Sure. The Wilton clarinet comes from klezmer music so i heard that uh and i grew up at a time where i could watch the ed sullivan show sure and, and it had everybody you know sergio frankie and the animals on the same show so yeah you right got to hear a little <laughs> bit of everything um and you and i jeffrey are the only people who know who the hell sergio frankie is <laughs> I got news for you. There's only a handful more who know who the animals were. So uh... <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think the songs will live. Unfortunately, I don't think the animals will go down in history as a wonderful group. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but they came along. For those of you who don't know, they came along right after the Beatles and the Rolling yeah. Stones and Eric Burden and the Animals. Absolutely sure. You know, we we won't so, talk about um, how. Little they actually played on their own records, but that's oh god, yeah. Mm -hmm. They that's they, where they, I they was first. Introduced. They weren't hired for their mu musician <laughs> skills. No, not at all. Um, Jeffrey, we got the um, shiny stockings, uh, a standard, beautiful standard. Let me do and ordinary, ordinary fool. Which one do you want to do? Let me do ordinary fool first. You got. Uh, it. Let, me, let me tell you a little story about this song. Mm -hmm. This song was written by my friend Paul Williams. Okay. And maybe it's the only song he ever wrote that did not become a great big hit. Yeah. And I loved it. Uh, the very first time I saw Ella Fitzgerald sing, she sang this. Yeah. And um, she never recorded it in the studio. 
she did sing it. It's on one of her live albums because she happened to be singing it that night. Mm -hmm. And uh, Karen Carpenter recorded it on her last album. Mm -hmm. But yep. other than that, I've never heard anybody else sing it. So Paul has given me permission to, to he says, go out, go out and make it a hit. So we went into the recording studio and I had uh, a small group for this one. Mm -hmm. And my dear, dear, dear friend, uh, Jack Sheldon, may he rest in peace, mm -hmm. came in and did the jazz trumpet solos for us. For those of you who don't know who Jeffrey's talking about, Jack Sheldon was a staple on the Merv Griffin show. He was part of the orchestra. He also had his own uh, sitcom, Run, Buddy, Run. Yeah, yeah. He was sure on did. Dragnet a lot. He was on the Carol Williams show as a regular. So he was a comedian actor. Claim the fame, Jeffrey, as you know, he was the voice of the after-school special. The bill, the bill, the bill. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I actually saw him do that live because somebody in the audience requested it. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I worked with Jack. I worked with Jack for about fifteen years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, whether we had a big band or a small group, mm -hmm. I would show up one song only. Mm -hmm. He'd say to me, "Fast or slow." That was that was what I got to choose. Fast or slow. And I'd say fast. And he'd say, lady, be good and F. And I'd say F. But you know uh, what? He was right. And off we went. Mm -hmm. We did it for years, once a week. It was it was jazz singing college for me. Yeah. It was just mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful experience. And uh, so producing him in the studio, mm -hmm. I, I just like I couldn't believe I'm in the booth telling Jack Sheldon what to do. Wow. But, so this is also going to be on our album and uh it's okay. a very pretty ballad. It's a This uh, is the Paul Williams composed song Ordinary Fool. Uh Jeff Stradling orchestration. Only a fool like fools before me. I always think wicked my heart. Only a fool, the same old story. Seems I was born for the part The lessons that I've learned The page I should have turned I shouldn't cry, but I do Like an ordinary fool when his ordinary dream falls through How many times have I mistaken Good looks and laughs for bad news 
How many times have I mistaken love songs and laughs for the blues when the road I've walked before Pens alone at my front door. I shouldn't cry, but I do. Like an ordinary fool, working his ordinary dream falls through. Tell him what I mean, Jack. Yeah. Don't tell him too much. How many times have I mistaken good looks and laughs for bad news? How many times have I mistaken love songs and laughs for the blue goo when the road I've walked before ends alone at my front door I shouldn't cry cry but I do like an ordinary fool when his ordinary dream falls through like an ordinary fool when his ordinary dream falls through ordinary dream falls through Ordinary dream falls through. Yay! Oh, I love Beautiful. that one. Wow. I have, I'll be honest, I have never heard that. Me? Never heard that before. So that's my song, my hit song. There you go. Wow. And uh, do we know the name of the album this will be a part of? Jeffrey Mark sings the Ella Fitzgerald songbook. Ooh, wow. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Coming out hopefully in time for Christmas. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Um, you know, we want a copy. Yes. <laughs> I'll make sure you get one. Beautiful. <laughs> now, Amelia, mm -hmm. since I've hogged up the first half of the show. <laughs> Really, you have, <laughs> and I hardly ever do that, Mill. Yeah, right. <laughs> this thing, <you> fucker. <laughs> Go ahead, ask away, ask away. 
Um, I was going to ask you about the Oscars. Uh, I loved actually the seating. Oh, you let year. me tell you something, you little fucker. I was, I, you know, you stole my thunder. <laughs> I wanted to find out what Jeffrey got from the gifting suite. Damn it. I was getting to that. Thank you very much. Okay, go ahead then. Never mind. Go ahead. Go. Oh, you already asked the question, so go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, oh, come on, children. I'll stand for the yeah, damn see, question already. Um, I, I, honest, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to the Oscar gifting suite last year. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I went to the American music awards gifting suite last year. I got a whole bunch of wonderful stuff. Um, and the RSV virus. I picked that up there too. Oh, um, I decided not to go this year. My publicist, Harlan Bowl, who is yeah. the best publicist in the business, one of my closest mm -hmm. friends, mm -hmm. came out to the desert just to come out to the desert. And yeah. we had brunch with Carol Channing's cousin, Sylvia. Oh, and I would rather have that kind of memory oh, and yeah. just get more stuff. So I decided the human contact and seeing people I loved, mm -hmm. and I love Harlan and I love Sylvia, more important than mm -hmm. getting more things. Mm -hmm. So I didn't yeah. go this year. Well, good for you. I'll yeah. tell you what. That's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. See that, Mio? Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, I, was, uh, I, I actually love the seating this year than it was last year because it was more like it was back in back in the few years ago it was and that didn't work out too well didn't it <laughs> right it was... I, I i don't know if you saw mm -hmm. chris rock's live uh oh the of, slap yeah yeah absolutely yeah but yeah. chris rock destroyed him and i'm glad he did mm -hmm. oh he eviscerated yeah. him oh, oh my yeah. god please oh chris chris is one of my absolutely. chris chris mm -hmm. rock and earl skakel are my two favorite comedians mm -hmm. who are working right yeah. now and Chris just mopped the floor up with him. Good oh, yeah. I, I just love the way the seating was this year. And it, it made me feel like it was back like a long time ago, like it should have been. Like well, me. you know, the Oscar seating has changed over and over. Originally, it was just a dinner. Mm -hmm. and you, you, it, it wasn't even a formal dinner. No. Through the years, it, it's been at the Coconut Grove. Mm -hmm. It's been at the Pantages Theater. It's been a dinner. It's not been a dinner. It's mm -hmm. been in a television studio. It's been in a nightclub. Mm -hmm. um, they keep changing it. Uh, there was something I liked when the Emmy Awards used mm -hmm. to be a dinner. Oh, yes. And they, were, and they were given out partially on the West Coast and partially on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. and the winner is in New York. It's Carol Burnett. There was something exciting about that. Yeah. Um, but but the you know, the award shows I've gone to, except for the TV, the TV Land Awards, when they were still doing that, was a dinner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But everything else has been in a theater. The uh, Grammys were at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, uh, being a nominee, how it was for me. Mm -hmm. You don't think about it much because there, there's an awful lot to do leading up to. Sure. All the major award shows okay. have other things happening that week that okay. the nominees and the press are invited to. And uh, by the time you get to the day of, uh, I was having brunch with a friend. And I realized, and I said to him out loud, from this moment on, I am not responsible for anything I say or do. Because all sense of reason left me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, then, then you have to get all dressed up and put on makeup in case you're up there. And 
you're winning around. My category was the last one sure. before they started the evening show. Um, the Grammys are presented like jazz and that stuff is not done late at night. It's not um, on the nighttime mm-hmm. show. I didn't win, but I won. The guy who actually won came over to me and said, mm-hmm. I almost didn't come today because you should have won this. Yours was better than mine. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know. Wow. That. But you get a wonderful gold medallion from Tiffany's on a, mm-hmm. on a red or different colored rope. Oh, wow. You get to wear those. Everybody mm-hmm. stops you. Everybody congratulates you. Sure. There's mm-hmm. ballroom after ballroom after ballroom after ballroom of music and celebrities. Mm-hmm. And, oh, there's Diana Ross. Oh, there's so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked away very happy from it. And right. I, once the, the show was over. I got so much attention the night before the show. There was the evening where they gave you your goodie bag. Yeah. The goodie bag. And it was a dinner, a buffet dinner at the Santa Monica flying museum. And I'm eating a plate of food and I'm looking around. It's, it's a buffet. And this, this African-American man walks over to me and just, just, Oh, you're going to win. I voted for you. You're so talented. And I've heard you sing and then, and he walked away. Another person comes up and said, wow, you must really be flattered. I said, well, I'm always flattered when someone says something nice. He said, don't you know who that was? I said, no. He said, that's a baby face. Who that oh, got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> was huge. Baby um, face. Wow. Wow. You know, and then the night before that was the um, Song Hall of Fame dinner, also a buffet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comedian mm-hmm. Jack Carter was my date for that. Mm-hmm. And right. we did that with Patty Andrews of the Andrews Sisters oh, and God. Glenn Miller's children. Oh. Wow. And uh, <laughs> Jack put his foot into my mouth by letting Patty know that I knew all about her <laughs> bastard ex-husband. It's like, you know, that's not really the way I wanted to be introduced to her. <laughs> but we but we sat and dished because he did. Funny. And um that kind of recognition, having people know who I am. I'm a ham. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love well, when people uh, ask for an autograph. I love when people come over to me at a restaurant and mm-hmm. aren't you Jeffrey Mark? And oh yeah. Although, you know, I'm not as big a star as a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm. I was having lunch with Wink Martindale and his wife out here in the mm-hmm. desert at a very a lovely upscale place called 849. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was that was a plug for you, Willie. I hope you enjoyed it. There was a bunch of people in a private dining room having an event and sure, they sure. broke up and they had to walk by our table and everybody, it was the same reaction from everyone. Look, it's Wink Martindale. I'm such a big fan. And they look over and go, oh, you're here too. That's who I am. I'm, oh, That's funny. I love that. I love stories like that. I, oh, Yeah. You know, I, I've been a peripheral part of show business for the better part of 45 years. That's a long fucking time. Long time. And I've always had this crow's nest view of the business because mm-hmm. of where I, I am. I'm mm-hmm. I'm in radio and I broadcast and I have kind of the uh, uh, the best way to put it is the crow's nest. I'm I'm the guy on the Titanic at the top. Looking down at the iceberg. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> bad analogy for your career, Jeffrey. <laughs> hey, baby, it's your career, not mine. Go ahead. 
No, actually, well, my career is pretty damn good right now. We're flying <laughs> pretty hot. Um, but it's been interesting to hear the I forget, you know, I heard Denny Lane tell a story of Paul McCartney. Now, here's a guy who knows Paul. He played with him, played in his band Wings with him. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting with him, sitting next to him. And he's telling mm-hmm. me this story about you know his friend Paul McCartney. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, you're telling me about <laughs> like one of the Beatles, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really? And you know, it's it's like when people kind of stuff. It's like when people find out that I was an eyewitness to John Lennon's assassination. Mm-hmm. That that kind of stops all conversation short. Yeah. Right. And people want to hear the story. Yeah. But I, I won't ask you about it because um, I, I believe mm-hmm. I actually have a photo uh, of and I believe you're in it. If you have that, I've never seen it. I believe I have a photo, and I absolutely did. I I not tell you this story last time of how that happened. No, Mm -mm. nope. Well, I've talked about Phyllis and Aruba, so Phyllis is in the story. Sure, I was living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Okay, the the building John Lennon lived in was called the Dakota. The Dakota Arms, yeah, on the corner, on the corner of Central Park West and West Seventy Second Street. Yep. My darling Phyllis lived across the street on the south side of the street and about four doors down in mm-hmm. a lovely apartment building, but not the Dakota. Right. And I took the subway from where I had been living and got off right there. And the subway lets you off right on Central Park West. Mm-hmm. And I went around the corner. In those days, the Dakota, to get into it, had this great big arch. It didn't have a front door. Uh-huh. You went in the arch to a courtyard that had the little lights all over it. And then you dog led to the left. And that's where the doorman was. That's where the front door was. Mm-hmm. And if you had to drive something to the, like, like furniture, you could drive in and pull to the front door. Mm-hmm. I had put one foot into the arch when I heard the bang, bang, bang. Mm. Next step, I look over and there's the guy with the gun. John is on the floor. I didn't see Yoko because she was in the shadows. And I didn't know what I was looking at. I only mm-hmm. knew there's a guy dead there. There's another guy leaning over him. And I better get the hell out of here really fast. Yeah, absolutely. So I ran across the street, got in the elevator. I had a key to Phyllis's apartment, let myself in. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm, oh I'm my in my gosh. 20s and I'm like, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And uh, turned the TV on and Channel 9 in New York was the first channel to break the news. Mm-hmm. That's when I found out who I who? saw. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I always felt terrible that I didn't call the police and volunteer to be a witness. I was just, you know, uh, in my very, very, very early 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have since uh, spoken with Sean, who forgives me, and yeah. tells me there was nothing I could have done that would have made any difference, and it worked out the way it worked out without my help, and don't worry yeah. about it. I'll but, tell you what, it's a, it's a, a, a profound story. Um, Amelia knows that uh-huh. in about uh, two weeks, I'm going up to Jersey City, New Jersey, Mm-hmm. To interview Debbie Greenberg, her and her father owned the Cavern Club. 
Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to interview them. And uh, mm-hmm. she's become a very fast friend. And um, yeah. And, and she's got she knew John. She knew she knew all of them. But she's Let's very she, close with Paul. She she must be like 90. She's uh, 83 years old. Wow. Then she was very young. When her, she well, her father, there. yeah. Her father owned the cavern. When mm-hmm. he passed, she took over the cavern. Understood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from 19, she owned it from 1965 to mm-hmm. 1970. Yeah, the Cavern Club, for those of you out there, because I want everyone to be in on this, yeah, is, sure. is where the Beatles really found their sound, worked out some of the early arrangements as playing a regular house band there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they went to Germany, to Hamburg, and the folks in Hamburg would yell at them, Mach show, Mach show, because they were just standing there. And yeah. they began to develop a style to make them mm-hmm. happy while they mm-hmm. sang. And then took that back of the Cavern Club, and that's where they were. To, and then Ed Sullivan brought them here, and then my cousin Sid put them in um, Shea Stadium. Sid Bernstein yeah. is my cousin. There you go. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, we have quite a history with the Beatles on this show. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have yeah, more. Big time. Absolutely. <laughs> well, i got one more song queued up for your brother. It's called mm-hmm. Shiny Stockings. Tell me a little story behind this one. Sure. This was something, <clears throat> pardon me, that the Count Basie Orchestra recorded in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And uh, at a time when the big bands were kind of not so big anymore because rock and roll was coming in, but this, like April in Paris, this was something that charted for them and became a part of their repertoire. Mm-hmm. In 1962, on Verve Records, uh, the Basie Band and Ella did a... Did a uh, an album of arrangements with Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't get much better of an Ella and Quincy and Basie. Oh, no. So this is the Quincy Jones arrangement for vocal. That's the gold wow. standard. Of shiny Ooh. stockings. And uh, I'm going to scat a little bit for you. There you go. There you go. Those silk shinest stockings that I wear when I'm with you I wear cause you told me that you did that crazy you When we go to a dance Do you think of romance? Oh no, you take a glance at those Shiny stockings, then comes some chick along with great big stockings, too. Then you change your mind about me, why I never knew. I guess I'll have to find a new, find a new guy, a new guy. I 
stuff to this beautiful stuff up against the heartbreak jeffrey mm-hmm. watch this okay do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls it's time to make them ready balls the manscape.com lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no nick head so your head will function as desired enter promo code wrestling future for a generous 20% discount. That's enter wrestling future for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and wrestling with the future going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. And so will we. Five years a sponsor. I don't know what's funnier. That commercial, that commercial after I sing, or your voice on that commercial. I wrote, produced, and performed that commercial. Tell your tell your sponsor to send me one. <laughs> we'll get you one. I uh, I got we'll asked about that commercial too, by the way. And I told him I said, watch that commercial and get that to, and you'll get that. Discount. That's twenty percent discount. We get our customers. You kidding me? Please. Yeah. Five years with that sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want a free one for doing this. You you'll get one. You absolutely mm-hmm. will. We'll make sure you we send one out to you, and we'll even send you a wrestling with the future T-shirt. Ooh, I'd absolutely. Love it. 
Amelia, questions for Jeffrey Mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing it anymore. So <laughs> after shiny stockings, there's not much right. left. He's like relaxing now. He's got his tea. <laughs> exactly. Look, he had a good air. He's got his air back, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Did I sing well, did I sing well enough for you guys? Oh, you did I do fantastic. Well? Oh, my goodness. Incredible music tonight, mm -hmm. Jeffrey. Absolutely oh, yeah. beautiful. Um, I must, I I must admit. Jazz. I really love jazz. I think that it's in such an underappreciated music form. I really, really do. Uh, I, 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 just, I must I must say, normally, I think I sing a little better than that. But the rain here is in my throat. So I'm a little a little raspy in my singing. But um, it, can I tell you something? It actually I think it lended to you. Oh, I love it. I really do. I, I, think I, I will say you. with pardonable pride. That certainly there are better jazz singers out there, but, uh, and I'm talking about only folks who are alive on this planet right now. Mm -hmm. I think I'm the best scat singer on the planet. Mm -hmm. You very well may be because there's not a lot of people that do scat anymore. No, a lot of no. people don't even know what it is. Mm -mm. There was a guy years ago, Amelia, you're way too young to remember this guy. Um, his, his they called him Scatman Carruthers, and they called him Scatman for a reason. He invented pretty much single-handedly mm -hmm. this art form called scat, mm -hmm. which is what Jeffrey was performing tonight. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a lost dying art form. Nobody does it. Jeffrey mm -hmm. may be not only the best, but he may be one of the only. I think so because I've not heard it. This, this kind of, of music well, anymore. All of the ladies who are touring now, and there's four of them who mm -hmm. are touring with Ella Fitzgerald tribute shows, all of them scat. And I love them all. I know them all. Mm -hmm. I just think I do it a little bit better. And um, I don't know of any men. I, I know Janice Siegel of the Manhattan Transfer does it, and she's wonderful. Yeah. I just think I'm better. Um, mm -hmm. No, I in the same breath, I can't do what the Manhattan Transfer does. And they're friends of mine, and they're mm -hmm. 50 years together, and they're absolutely marvelous. And they have a I love together. those guys. Well, I do I too. love them. Years ago, they did a song that that, that kind of uh, endeared me to them. It was called Trickle Trickle. Yes. You remember that one? Sure. Amelia, you're way too young to remember that. You were just an embryo. Um, <laughs> I was not even thought of yet. <laughs> right? But there was a song called Trickle Trickle, and it was like very kind of reminiscent of like um, swing. It was kind of swing. What's and, wonderful, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it was, it was very reminiscent of, of kind of like 50, 60 swing back in the day. What I love about the Manhattan Transfer <clears throat> is that they do some stuff that's very reminiscent of the 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. They do stuff that's of the wartime, middle of 20th century. Mm -hmm. They do rock and roll. They do rock. They do doo-wop music. They mm -hmm. do scat music. Um, they do Brazilian music. Uh, they do, they've got gorgeous Christmas albums out. One, oh one, there's no instruments. It's just the four of them yeah. singing in harmony. It seems mm. like they can do anything. And I've never been disappointed. Neither um, have I. I absolutely concur okay. with you. They can do it all. Cheryl Benteen, uh, the soprano, lives out here. And mm. we're good buddies. And in fact, I'm going to have her on my show as soon as she stops touring. 
We're going to do yeah. a salute to the Manhattan Transfer on my Ella show. The songs that the songs of Ella's that the transfer covered because they they sang a tisk of the task and they recorded how hot. Yeah, they recorded a lot of things. Airmail special that Ella did and uh, Wacky Dust uh, was was originally yeah. Ella's. So we'll be we'll, like forward to this week, by the way, if I can give myself a commercial this week on Jeffrey Mark plays Ella available on as a podcast on every platform there is. Yep. On radio stations. It's uh, Ella sing Sinatra. It's Ella doing cover versions of Sinatra hits and things yes. that was known for. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you guys will love it a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just a reminder that Jeffrey Marsh radio show Jeffrey Mark Place Ella is heard nationally. Check your local listings and stations for times. And uh, Jeffrey, this is number three. We got to bring it back for number four. Amelia? Yes. I always throw you under the bus whenever uh, Jeffrey can't make it or we got a problem here because you're convenient. Um, so, <laughs> so when are we bringing Jeffrey back? Whenever he'd Since like you to come handle back the damn schedule. Whenever. I I, I've been... I've been I've been called convenient, and it wasn't a compliment. Uh, whenever it, well, you, it, whenever he can come back, actually, um, whenever he has uh, no tour dates, of you know, whenever he's free. What I well, would love to do, I'm, I'm throwing this at you, and you can think about it later. Sure. I'd love to come on once a month and sing a few songs and tell some stories. Why the hell not? Mm -hmm. I'd love that. Oh, um, you were going to tell that, absolutely. Before. You have you finished your book yet? Were you able to start printing it? I know that you were going to do the Lucy book. I, I the Lucy book is not coming out till next year for okay. Christmas. Next Christmas. Next Christmas. Okay. My memoirs are being shown to publishers right now. Oh, good. Wow. Good. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. in that world again, where you get everything you want, both books would come out next year. Mm -hmm. This coming fall, I have a landmark birthday. I'm hoping to get back east. And sing at the Triad Theater in New York. Oh, I'm good. hoping my ah. album will be available then. And then we're gonna have a party for my East Coast friends and a party out here for me next year with the new Lucy book coming out. Mm -hmm. And if not this year, next year my album coming out. And next year is my 50th anniversary in show business. Wow! And we're gonna That's we're gonna great. celebrate that. Oh, as we will celebrate that. Oh yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Amelia, what do we have coming up? That you were gonna tell me. Oh, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> oh, that's right. We switched it tonight. I'm going to yes, tell you we tonight. did. <laughs> Next week, a return to the good old days. Check this out. Next week, a return. To Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. The circus is back in town. They will make their world debut one more time in Philadelphia. First time Ringling Brothers made their circus debut, it was Philadelphia under the big job. Now it will be at the Wells Fargo Center in front of, in front of 27,000 people. Wow. And, yeah. And tickets go on sale a year ahead of time. We're going back to the circus. I have a connection to them, actually. So, so there you go. Well, here we go. My oh, great grand, my great grandfather, um, 
my great grandfather, I'm, I'm, I, there's two stories I want to tell, which, which one I was going to tell first. My great grandfather owned a hay and feed store in Bridgeport, Connecticut, oh. from whom Barnum bought all the vittles for his animals. Okay. So from the early part of the 20th century until Barnum stopped being a part of the circus. Yeah. My grandfather, that's where the family money that I never got to see, but that's where the family <laughs> money came from. I'm also right. told that Thornton Wilder based Horace Vandegelder on my grandfather because he was uh, cantankerous, cheap, uh, a ladies' man, mm -hmm. and um, hay and feed. The, 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 it's the same kind of business, the same kind of character. So I'm told Horace Vandegelder was my great-grandfather. Interesting stuff. Uh -huh. Now, now, what's the other story? <laughs> no, that, those are the two stories. that oh, he, okay. he, That's he, it. He, okay. So I'm connected to the circus that way. And that, hello, Amelia, Dolly. Have you ever been to the circus? Oh, yeah. Lots of times when I was a little girl. A long I, time never, ago, I never liked the animal part but of it. But do not get me near a clown. <laughs> really? You never? Why, why is that, Jeffrey? I, even as a child, I looked at the faces of the animals and I said, they may be very well trained. They're not happy doing this. Uh -uh. I never got any sense of joy from the animals. Mm. So that kind of, I didn't mind the clown. I love clowns. Uh, I, uh, everybody I know hates clowns. They, they're afraid. Yeah, Amelia hates them too. I'm scared of them. Afraid of them. <laughs> you know, we grew up with Bozo the Clown on television. So it was oh, a God, little bit of a Bozo. different, you know. So lovable. But uh, so I understand these days that there's no elephants anymore and there's no, no, no animals being forced to do things they don't mm. want to do. So. But the circus as a thing is a lovely place yeah. and a great deal of fun. And I, I hope the new version really works. I think it will only because they refuse to be canceled. And mm -hmm. I think that fight in them is going to go a long way. Uh, I, I think people are ready for a return to the traditional circus mm -hmm. and you know, look, with or without animals, a circus is still a circus. You don't have to have elephants and horses and all this other stuff. Uh -uh. You know, the guy on the trapeze or the pretty woman, you know, flying by her teeth. You know, that's that's the circus to me. Oh, yes. I, I wish I wish they would return to the really early days when circuses had a midway. And oh my part, God, part yes. of being, you know, under the under the tent. Uh, was was that you went under the tent and then afterwards you spent the rest of your evening mm -hmm. on the midway, where they Absolutely. had a fun house. So they, they had it was so a, a circus was the performers and then a carnival outside. Absolutely, that, mm -hmm. you had the hairy so woman, you had the dog boy, mm -hmm. you had the freak show. Well, I, I'll use the word freak show because look, mm -hmm. it's, it's we. That's what it was called. Background, Amelia, our background is a freak show, pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. I don't like the words, but but it's just, it's just mm -hmm. the word. It mm -hmm. gave those people a job. Yes. It, it allowed them to work. Mm -hmm. They call themselves freaks. They mm -hmm. like the term. Mm -hmm. They're identified as something unique. I don't think they like the term today. Back then, they did. And times change and words yeah. change and sensibilities change. But the idea of 
having all these little entertainments and the shooting gallery and guess your weight and hit the sledgehammer to see how strong you are. Yeah. And, you know, Madame Mazanga tells your fortune. <laughs> it's harmless fun. And if people who um, are overweight or too skinny or whatever their thing is that sets them apart want to go out there and make money showing off mm -hmm. good for them um exactly. you know like 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 uh mad dog here said all of us are freaks to some i mean mm -hmm. look at me <laughs> you know i walk around like this going to the walmart you know i'm 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 i stand out and i get paid for that and yay absolutely there mm -hmm. you go but i love your sequin hats that's my favorite i can thank favorite. three people or more actually for, for my look. Mm -hmm. uh, I've told this story before, but since you didn't hear it, I was performing in Los Angeles a long time ago. And a comedian named Rip Taylor, mm -hmm. who you probably don't oh, know who he is. I loved Rip. I remember seeing him on TV. He okay. was my right. Rip mm -hmm. was my dinner buddy. Mm -hmm. Rip and I were good friends, which means that when he says he was dinner buddies, it means he paid for Rip's dinner because that's mm -hmm. how it works. Exactly what that yeah. means. Yeah. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. Rip Taylor and yep. Chuck McCann came to see me perform. Mm -hmm. We went out to dinner to the late, great Hamburger Hamlet on Sunset Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And Rip said to me, you are magic on stage, but you dress like a fucking accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and I wore a three-piece suit and a tie. Mm -hmm. I kept my hair very, very short. And he took me shopping. And uh, I'll make a very long story short. Um, I took one hat on a cruise ship with me. Mm -hmm. The audience went crazy. The next cruise was three hats. Now I've got 132 mm -hmm. rooms behind me. Then Lori Marshall, Peter's wife, said, you need shoes to go with that. Mm -hmm. And she got me wearing sparkly shoes. And then Carol Channing said, you have to be sure to wear diamonds with your sparkles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that will really set you apart. Mm -hmm. No, seriously. So yeah. I always have Absolutely. at least one diamond ring on. Uh-huh. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm oh, yeah. kind of underdressed because I'm just sitting here in my house. Sure. If I were out and about, I'd have much more on and, you know, be Jeffrey Lark. Mm -hmm. There you go. Fabulous. Well, oh, I'll tell yeah. you what, brother. You are a welcome sight around here anytime you want to come by. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. we'll make sure Amelia gets a hold of you to set something yes. up for you. Yes. Absolutely. Tell everybody where people can see you. When mm -hmm. will you be on tour? And uh, and when you come in eastbound, I don't have dates for the tour yet. It won't start until the fall. We'll we'll give you folks out there. We'll give you dates on another visit to the show. But Jeffrey Mark Playzella GPE is every week, mm -hmm. and you can either listen on the radio or go to a web to a uh, podcast and listen to it in fifteen mm -hmm. minute increments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's coming out next. You know, that's how show business works. Sometimes you finish something first, but the second thing comes out first. So sometime in the next 18 months, two or three books, a record album, a tour, some celebrations, because heaven knows I could use some celebrations. Because you yeah. mentioned, we only talked about one of my friends who passed away. Um, there were other people you mentioned who I know. So it's time to celebrate a little bit too. You know, we're Absolutely. still Absolutely. Yeah, we're still here. Even yep, even absolutely. even Bobby Blake's passing saddened me. Yeah, uh, I, I I am Broke my heart. 
I am in a minority that do not believe he had his wife killed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He, I he, don't he, think Bobby was, was capable of it. Uh -uh. Nope. Uh, I don't think I, I, if it happened when he was 25, I might've believed it by yeah. the time it happened. Bobby was in sobriety. Bobby was yeah. getting help. Bobby sure. was on medication. Uh, I don't think that happened. Yeah. He was an, I don't think so either. And thank yeah. you for saying that. I appreciate He's it. He's an extraordinary actor. Okay. Yeah. He worked very, very hard to get clean and sober. And in his prime, good heavens, was he a sexy man? Yeah. He was a good-looking guy. Like Even you, Angelo. as an older guy, he was a good-looking guy. Like you, Angelo. He just had that swagger. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a Jersey thing, brother. It's, it's all Jersey. Hey, I like, to, I like to embarrass him once a show. You know. and, and the other thing, too, is, you know, Robert Blake was really Michael Gubatosi. Right. So he had mm -hmm. that Italian Nicky. thing. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, that broke my heart, but I had my heart broken this week, too. Uh, I'm dedicating this show. Oh, please, please. To Rocky, my, my little chihuahua, Rocky Balboa. Yeah. I had Rocky for 14 years, and we had to say goodbye to Rocky on Sunday. And uh, Rock, Papa misses you so much. And uh, Amelia, thank you for the little memorial you oh, made yes. for him. This one we're doing for uh, for Rocky and for Jeffrey and and uh, all those uh, who appreciate and love jazz. Uh, we're going to bring some jazz back to you, folks. Yeah. Cause Jeffrey Mark is coming back. Yeah, yeah. We'll on do, behalf, we'll do three. We'll, we'll we'll do three different songs next time. Uh -huh. oh, you yeah. got it. Whatever you want to do, I I got cue them up for you. We'll we'll yep. take care of it. For Jeffrey Mark, for Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman. Mm -hmm. I am the Mad Dog, Angelo DeCipio. Join us on our new day and time next mm -hmm. week, Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, mm -hmm. all around the world. Folks, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.